0: So, juvenile hall, juvenile hall, and Donovan State Prison as well. So, we well, God bless y'all and all the people online. God bless y'all. We love y'all. We love y'all. Um, I'm a burden preacher, which means that when uh, God gives me a message, um, I know it's right when I feel the burden of it. Out of all the messages that any preacher can preach, I'm not even going to talk about myself. I'm going to talk about everybody, every pastor ever in the history of the world. What I'm going to talk about today is the most important thing you as a believer need to know. The number one, most important thing you need to know is what I'm going to talk about today. And so my prayer is that God would prepare your mind uh, to receive what I'm going to have to say and get it. I'm going to summarize the entire Bible today in one thing. Uh, Sometimes I get criticized because my sermons are too simple. I pride myself on simple. This is going to be so simple. (laughs) But it is the most important message of the whole Bible. Lord, I pray you prepare us for this message. I pray that we would be able to receive it. Process it. Understand it. And, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. You love us. I pray uh, specifically for Gene Sowan's family. For Daniel and Sandra, I pray you bless and encourage them today. As she went to be with the Lord, and she is so good right now. <laughs> so I pray you encourage her family. As they're going to miss her, you blessed them with her but now she's with you. And so I pray you encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the person next to you a big hug and a kiss. Amen. Only kiss the person next to you if they want you to kiss them. Amen. Amen. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your Bibles up. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, say word. Let's Let's turn to uh, 1 John chapter 2. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, 1 John, it is the fifth book or so from the end of the Bible. So go all the way to the back and then count five towards the front. And you'll get the 1 John. It's a very small book. I want to tell you something that I want you to think about uh, in public speaking. One of the most powerful Tools of public speaking is silence, it's the pause. So I'm gonna say something, then I'm gonna pause so you have time to let it sink in. God loves you. I want you to think about that. God loves you. It is the most profound thing we could ever know Is that God loves you. He knows all your junk. Say amen if you got junk. And he loves you anyway. And he wants so bad for you to love him back. That's it. The whole Bible is in us having a loving relationship with God. Not us using God, manipulating God, playing God for a fool, because he's not dumb. It's just receiving, experiencing his love in the context of a relationship. Um, Everyone say right brain. Say left brain. This is my right, your left In your right brain, you experience the here and now. Emotions, feelings. So right now, your right brain is just firing with excitement and joy because you feel really good. Can I get amen? Okay, or whatever emotion you're having, your right brain is processing the here and now. Your left brain stores information and is involved in decision-making, problem-solving. Good decisions come when your right brain and your left brain work together. When my kids were little, we used to take them to the park. And the first time we went to the park, you know, when they can pro- process stuff, they were scared to go into the park because it was a new experience for them. So I said, Daddy, come with me. We had to hold their hand. There's nobody in the park. They're actually scared of the swings and the sand and the, and the teeter-totter, right? So we had to walk them over. I said, go up go up the stairs and go down the slide. Come with me. I can't. I'm too fat. So just go up there yourself. <laughs> and you, I had to hold their hand up the stairs, hold their hand down. It was a new experience for them. So their right brain was saying, I don't know what this is. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it's going to happen. So they had to experience it. And the left brain didn't have any information. Once they experienced that, they experienced the swing, their right brain experienced in the and now, their left brain stored that information. Next time we went, they already knew it. They said, I had done it before. My left brain was got it. And their, their right brain was going, we're going to get on the swing. The left brain was going, I got this. We did this before. So they go and they walk up. Look, Daddy. Look, what, look, Mommy. Look what I'm doing. Okay, y'all follow. N- then we go and there's kids in the park. Before we went, there were no kids in the park. Now there are other human beings there. Their right brain's going. I don't know about those human beings. They look a little tall, a little short, different kind of hair, different kind of whatever, different kind of clothes. They may be mean. They may be nice. I don't know. So, Mommy, Daddy, go with me. So we go over there and say, Yes, yeah, little girl right there. A little boy, no knife, no gun there. Okay, everything's gonna be good. Don't worry about anything, go ahead and play, okay, play. And the next thing you know, their right brain at first was scared. They experienced the other kids, realized they're just like them, and their left brain stores that information. So next time we come and there are kids there, they run into the park and they play with the other little kids. Are y'all following me? Then the next time we go, they're playing over there and they're playing with the little kids. And then the garbage truck comes and the garbage truck makes this loud noise that they never heard before at the park. Because before all they heard was kids crying and screaming at the mother and the birds, sheeping, chirping. And now it's boom. They run back to mommy and daddy. And I go, it's just the garbage truck. They come to our house every day. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so next time the garbage truck goes, they, I got that. It's the garbage truck. No problem. And they keep playing. Are y'all following me? So what's happening over time is that their right brain is experiencing things for the first time, storing information in the left brain. So next time that experience happens, the left brain goes, we got it, no problem. And they make a decision to chill or whatever. They're perfecting their ability to make decisions. Can your love be perfected? All God wants you to do is love him. Not necessarily go to church, even though this is part of loving him. But it has to be out of love. How do you love God? And so we're going to talk about that today. Very simple. How can you perfect your love of God? Now we started a series last week called Relationship Goals. And we talked about how the Father, Son, Holy Spirit have the perfect relationship. They they always pursue the purpose of God together. They always, always did whatever it took to glorify the Father together. They were the model and still are our model relationship. So, for us, when we talk about love, we have to understand what love is and what loving means. And anytime you hear the word love used in culture, you want to always know what does the Bible say? What does God say about love? So, we don't create our own version and, and experience and express a form of love that actually brings pain into our life. So number one, God is love. First John 4, 8, God is love. 1st here on the screen. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So anytime you say the word love, I love this, love this, love that, love wins, or whatever it is that you use the word love in, you always have to insert the word God. Because if that love is not consistent with God, it's not the kind of love God made. It's not the kind of God love is. It's a different version of love. (laughs) Number two, or this is not number two, love is obedience to God. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments aren't burdensome. This is very important. The greatest commandment is to love God with your heart, mind, and soul. The greatest above all commandments. You can take everything in this book. The number one thing is that you love God. And what does that mean? To do what God says. Stop right there. This is the most important thing you need to know about this entire book. When people come to me and they first get saved, they say, What do I do now? Learn to obey God. When people come to me, they've been walking with God for years and they've fallen away and and messed up their life and they want to come back, Does God forgive me? Yes. What do I do now? Uh, Obey God. When people think, Well, I, I don't know what my ministry is, my ministry purpose. What do I do now? Obey God. There's no other answer. Now, you do that by learning, you do that by studying, by praying, by, 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 by worshiping, whatever. But it all has to the foundation of all love in every relationship. Whether you're dating, marriage, your best friend, your grandmother, whoever it is, the foundation has to be obeying God. Next one, love is based, not, be, love is based on truth, not a feeling. Ooh, this is the one that's going to sting. It don't matter what you feel. I don't want to obey God. That ain't love then. Loving God is loving God no matter whether you feel it or not. <laughs> 2 John verse 6, it's in your notes. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning that you should walk in it. Same thing. Loving God means obeying God whether you feel like it or not. In a matter of fact, your love for God is really only proven. And most proven... When you obey God in the times that you don't feel like it. It's easy to go to church when you feel like well, I, you, if, this is, if this is your process, you're not getting a whole lot of brownie points with this. You know, it's raining out, I have nothing to do, and there's nothing on TV, and I'm up, so I might as well go to church. <laughs> okay, good for you. Versus saying, you know what, I'm going because... I want to be in the house of God. I want to praise. I want to be with, my, with the, the people of God. And, and you know, I got a lot of stuff to do. And I got, I got a lot of stuff I could watch on TV. And, and, I'm, and But I'm, it's my first priority. Yeah. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible says he was in agony. He was sweating blood. And he said to God, the father, is there any other way? Do I have to do this? I'm paraphrasing. You can read it in Luke chapter 20. Is there any other way? And, and, and he says, but not my will. Here's what Jesus said. I'm in agony, sweat and blood. I'm in agony to the point of death, the Bible says. And this is going to be hard. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. Is there any other way, Father? But not what I want. It's what you want out of obedience. So Loving God is doing what God says, period. The Pharisees were the religious sn- uh, snobs of the Bible. And in every church, in every community, you have Pharisees. And let me explain it just so in case you might be one. You don't want to be one. Look at the person next to you, wherever you want to say, I don't want to be a Pharisee. Here are the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they had lots of information in their head. But they didn't obey. Oh, Here's what the Bible says. But yet they're gossiping. Here's what the Bible says. Yet they're lusting. Here's what the Bible says. Yet they're watching pornography. Here's what the Bible says. Yet they're lying, cheating, and stealing just like everybody else. But here's what the Bible says. Oh, please, you're giving Jesus a bad name. Please don't tell people you're saved. Don't. They have all this information. It means nothing if you don't do what it says. So I'm going to give you three very simple points. Number one of your notes. Love is perfected Over time, by the hand of God. Remember little kids in the park. Over time, you will learn to obey what God says, especially in the midst of your right brain telling you, you shouldn't obey God. Look what it says in 1 John 2.5, it says, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. To be perfected meant to be complete, to be matured. To reach its intended purpose, is that over time you would learn, despite what your right brain is saying. And by the way, your right brain is not necessarily wrong, it's just telling you part of the story. In other words, God is telling you, go over there and tell that person, sorry, and you're like, and your right brain's going, you ain't telling them sorry. You know what they did to you, you know what they said to you, and your right brain's talking all this trash. You know what I'm saying? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. And the left brain is saying, wait a minute, the fact is, the Bible says you need to obey God. Your right brain saying, don't do that, don't do that. You have to make a decision. Are you going to obey the here and now, or are you going to obey the eternal word of God? Your love is perfected. It is matured. It is completed. It reaches intended purpose and goal. When you practice obeying God day in and day out... Despite what you feel, despite what you perceive, despite what you know, because we walk by faith, not by sight, which means you don't know and never will know everything, ever. Even when you take inhale, every day you inhale for your whole life until the day you die, whenever you take a breath, you have never seen what's going in your lungs. And you don't see, unless you're in the cold, what comes out of your lungs. And every day you go, (gasps) by faith, knowing that something invisible is going to keep you alive. That's called faith. Every day you are a faith walker. God says, I want you to obey me. And the more you obey me, the more your ability to obey me will be perfected or matured or completed. That is the whole Bible. Go to life class and learn about yourself, and your right brains, like, what are they going to teach you in that class? You already know who you are, And your right brain's talking all this trash. No, I'm going to go because that's what my church is offering for me to go to the next level of my life. Go over there and serve in that ministry because you have a desire to help those people. And you're like, no, nah, no, you don't know them and how are they going to receive you. Just go by faith. And when you get there, you might realize that someone just like you, who had the same fears you had, go give that money. Well, how are you going to get that money? How are you going to pay your bills? Hey, God is telling you by faith to make that, that investment in the kingdom of God because God's going to bless you over here. By faith you say, yes, God, I just trust you. Why? Because God has never, ever let you down. Ever. Ever. So your ability to obey God internally, because God wants to do something in you. He is maturing something in you. Your ability to hear and experience and feel all these emotions and thoughts and say yes to God anyway. That's it. If all you do is say yes to God when it's convenient, you're just a religious person. I mean, that's easy. If all you do is love your friends and not your enemies, that's easy. You don't need God for that. You don't need God for that. The Holy Spirit came in your life so you can do what you couldn't normally do. Your love is perfected. Number two, love requires a renewed mind. Ooh. Some people can't obey God. Because of their emotional issues. Some people are so insecure in their relationship or how they view themselves that they won't obey God because they don't want to offend somebody. Hey, why don't you go over there and tell that person kindly, lovingly, positively, with patience, that they were wrong in what they said about your coworker. No, God, I can't do that. You know, they, 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 they may not like me and they, they may turn against me and talk about me. And I, I may be blackballed from, you know, the in the group. And I don't want to do that because I, I value too much my image here. And God's like, so, so you're telling me what's more important to you is to please man over me. And yet you're a Christian, by the way. And you're praising God or coming to church and God is telling you to do things and yet you don't do them because of your own personal insecurity. That is where Christianity has to change your life. It is one thing to come and have your Christian habits. You go to church, you read the Bible whenever you do it, you have your little verses whenever you have it, but then you have this whole other life that's completely contradictory to God. And God is trying to get through to you so he can mature you and and bring his expression of love in you and through you to perfection, to maturity. So you can obey God at a higher rate. So you can basically love God at a more perfected level. That's all it is. Because the greatest commandment is for you to love God. So that means the greatest commandment is for you to obey God. Period. End of story. Drop the mic. That's what it's about. It's not about your information. It's not about you doing religious things that you feel comfortable. It's about God telling you. Do this, do that, do this. And by the way, those do this and do that, let me tell you, I've been walking with God for 33 years. He's going to change stuff. I don't like change. Well, you got the wrong God. (laughs) Because if if our God didn't change stuff, we'd have 70-degree weather every day. And even in San Diego, that's not true. For all of us who are from the East Coast, can I get amen from the East Coast people? A whole lot of East Coast people, we left that stuff. <laughs> because it's so enough does change. God's gonna tell you to do stuff that's way out of your. One day you're gonna be going in your life, your life's gonna be all on cruise control, and all of a sudden he's gonna say, We're gonna do this now. I don't wanna do that. Uh, excuse me, this is my show. This is God talking. This is my show. Probably the best discipleship exercise you can do is not read more books. I'm not saying don't read my books. One of the best discipleship exercises you can do is not go to church every Sunday, even though you should. Not get on your knees every day, even though you should. But bigger than all of that, trust me, is write a list of the things that you don't do that God wants you to do. And that you're not doing them every day. And say, God... I want to be obedient in that one. I want to be obedient in that one. Matter of fact, by a show of hands, and I'm going to ask all the campuses to do this. And uh, if you fi- find yourself wanting and needing to raise your hand, don't feel uh, embarrassed because you will not be alone. If you have 10 things, I would say 100, but you, probably don't have, you don't have time to count that high. If you have 10 things you know you need to change in your life to be more in align with the word of God, raise your hand. Yeah, keep your hand up real high. Look around the room. Say to the person next to you, you got some work to do. (laughs) I want to read a verse to you. you. If you said, I'm going to write just five of them down, just five, and say, God, today we're going to pick up number one. I want to be obedient in that. And by me being obedient in that, I'm loving you. Yes. Whether you feel like it or not. For all y'all who are married know, love is, love is not only about a feeling if you're married and you know and, and, and I'll just talk to married people for now uh, if you're married and you had to do things for your spouse that you did not feel like it say amen mm-hmm. There was a guy training his son. He was training his son, for, uh, his son. His son was getting married. He said, dad, what do I need to know to be married? He says, say you're wrong. He said, but I didn't do anything. He says, say you're wrong. I didn't do anything. He says, say you're wrong. I didn't do anything, dad. He just say you're wrong. He said, okay, I'm wrong. Now you know how to be married. <laughs> <laughs> Number two in your notes. Love requires a renewed mind. Why? Because God is going to tell you to do stuff that your mind is not going to want to do. He's going to tell you to serve. He's going to tell you to give. He's going to tell you to pray. He's going to tell you to sacrifice. He's going to tell you to be humble. And your mind's going to say no. And you're going to make a decision. Who are you going to obey? That is the love of God and that is the whole Bible in one sentence. That's it. You can know all the, quote all the verses you want. If you're not doing it, you're just a Pharisee. That's it. And you're playing game and God's like, I never knew you. There are going to be preachers who preach like this in front of churches and do healings and miracles that are going to die and stand before God and say, God, I'm ready to come in. And God's going to say to them, I never knew you. You have deceived the whole time playing a game because you wouldn't do what I said. How much more you? Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 10, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're spiritual. The weapons of your warfare are spiritual. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are arguments, philosophies, worldviews, politically correctness that is against the word of God. It says you bring every thought into captivity, making it obedient to Christ. Your weapons are spiritual and they are warring against all these opinions that are contrary to the word of God. And you have to bring those thoughts into captivity and say, no, I am feeling an urge to say this, do this, and yet my, the word of God is saying no. I have to make a decision, am I going to obey God or am I going to obey my impulses, my friends, culture. This is where the rubber meets the road. Um, My favorite time of every day beyond the shadow of a doubt is when I go to bed to go to sleep. It is my favorite. Can I get an amen, anybody? Ooh, there's something so good. About sleep. And when we pass and go to be with the Lord, it is going to be a good day. (laughs) A good day. So when you go to sleep, you, have, you go through a lot of cycles in your brain. It, it, re, it just has a lot of functions uh, that we don't have time to get into right now. I don't want to tell you all of them because I don't know them. <laughs> but I'll tell you one, rapid eye movement, REM REM cycle. And during REM cycle, your brain's going through some, a certain renewal process and your eyes are doing this in your head. And during REM cycle, which is right when you go to sleep and right before you wake up, during that time is when you have your dream. Your most vivid dream. If you notice, a lot of times you'll have a dream and then you'll wake right up. That's right, right before you wake up, you're, you're, it's like you're coming out of, out of space and then you're entering and reentering this, the atmosphere. You have this dream and then you wake up. And when you're in REM, when you're sleeping, it's called REM paralysis. You experience a, a, a state of paralysis. You cannot voluntarily move. And why would you want to voluntarily move? Because when you're dreaming, you're experiencing emotions and you're running, you're, 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 you're jumping, you're flying. Well, all the stuff you're doing in your dream and your body... Can't do it because the reason you have REM paralysis, the reason God created REM paralysis, because He didn't want you to be able to physically do what you're experiencing in your dream. Can you imagine how messed up your life would be if you experienced? I don't need to finish that sentence. Can I get amen? None of y'all will be married. <laughs> Some of y'all will be in jail. <laughs> And then other y'all be dead. You would have just jumped out the window. I don't know. <laughs> like a fly. Okay. Uh, and, and, and these dreams are so real and they're so emotional. So anyway, you, you REM, Well, what happens in REM paralysis is that you, uh, there are times when you half wake up during REM. And you're kind of having a dream, but you're half awake. You're half asleep, but you're paralyzed. And you kind of sense that there's somebody in the room over here but you're laying on this side of your body and you can't move your head and your eyes are kind of open and you sense that there's somebody in the room but you can't see them and you want to turn and scream. But you, you, you can't see them but you feel that they're there and you're trying to scream, trying to look, but you're paralyzed and you're doing this. And you can't move. Can I get an amen if you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so you're proud of it. And so your mind is telling you, turn, look, scream, call for your mommy, and your and your body's going, no. No. There's gonna be times in your life that God is gonna tell you to do something, or your flesh is gonna tell you to do something, and you have to say no. Culture is gonna tell you to believe something the, against the word of God, and you say, no. Your fear, your lust, your greed, your pride, your ego is going to tell you to say something, believe something, look at something, think something, and you have to say no. You take it and say, mm. "You will obey God." That is loving God. Whether you feel like it or not, and my challenge to you is, you walking through your day, that you start and you start sensing God telling you to do something, or the world. Encourage you to do something that's disobedient. And you say, right now, right now, I have to express the love of God right now by obeying God. That has nothing to do with what you feel. Now, your feelings are definitely in it. But whether you feel like obeying God, that's irrelevant. I have to obey God. Number three in your notes. Love must be received before it can be given. What does that mean? That you have your natural love, but God wants to give you his supernatural love. The Bible says that when you ask Christ to be your savior, you admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says Jesus Christ died to pay for your sin, which was an act of love, by the way, because he had no sin. He died, was buried, three days later he rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into your heart. What does that mean? That you have a level and intensity of love for people way beyond your natural desire. Your natural ability That you could forgive people that you wouldn't normally forgive. When Jesus was being crucified, he was forgiving them as they were crucifying him. They were nailing him in the wood. And he said, Father, forgive them right now. Because as they're even doing it, they don't know. And they didn't even ask for the forgiveness. I just forgive them. And so the Holy Spirit pours his love in your heart. When you start looking at people. I was in the juvenile hall years and years ago and I went to see this white supremacist. And I went in and they told me he's a white supremacist. I'm getting there talking to him. He starts calling me the N-word, cursing at me, cursing at me. And I'm leaving. I'm walking down the hall. He's cursing me out the hall. And in my heart going, that brother just needs Jesus. (laughs) He just needs Jesus. His father beat him. So I said, I'll just come back next time after he thinks about what he said. I'm going to pray for him. i to come back. Because that brother needs God. He's already forgiven. I don't have to. He's messed up. He got, he got fed a lot of garbage. Went back to him and we talked again. He ended up getting saved. But the point is that God is way bigger than his words. It's his broken heart speaking. And when you say, Lord, give me love for people and situations that, that will... Enable me and empower me to obey way beyond whatever I could ask or imagine. So, in a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to ask Christ to be your Savior and to receive the Spirit of God the Spirit of God that's going to empower you with the desire and the ability to obey God. Not necessarily feel something all the time, because let me tell you, you will not feel good all the time. You're not. Sometimes you're going to be discouraged. Sometimes you're going to be scared. Sometimes you're going to be depressed. Sometimes you're going to be angry. Sometimes you're going to be mad at God because you don't understand and your brain is telling you God betrayed you. And then you'll come to your senses. But the Holy Spirit is never going to leave you or forsake you. And so we're going to pray and you're going to have the opportunity, Lord, I want the Spirit of God in me. And then we're going to take communion together. So right now, bow your heads and close your eyes, please. in all the campuses online, USS Somerset. Juvenile Hall, Donovan State Prison, Coronado, Microsites. God bless all y'all. Bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Jesus, I thank you for all these people here. I thank you that you know every single person and that we have an opportunity to surrender our life to you, that you may fill our heart with your love, your passion, a supernatural ability to obey you even through the most difficult times of our life. If you realize that you are a sinner and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead, and you would like to ask him to forgive you of your sin and fill your heart with the spirit of God, the spirit of God that pours the love of God into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me And I want to love you. I believe you died and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me. Fill me with the spirit of God. I surrender my life to you. Thank you. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up really high. So if you prayed that prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior. Just slip your hand up really high and I can see you and pray for you. God bless 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 you. All the room and all the campuses we see you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you for all those people. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give all those people a hand. God bless y'all. I want y'all... To take out, and all the campuses, take out your communion cup. If you don't have a cup, raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. Keep your hand up really high. God bless y'all. When we take communion, it's the one thing Jesus told us to do in remembrance of him. And here's what he said. I'm going to take the bread, I'm going to break it, you're going to eat it, and I'm going to tell you it's my body because I'm getting ready to be crucified. You're going to drink the blood, uh, drink the, the wine, it's going to be representative of my blood that was shed for you. And I want you to do this when you think of me. And I want you to understand this, that I suffered for you because I love you and wanted to give you an opportunity to love God and have a relationship with the Father. So, when you think of me, I want you to think of the sacrifice I made because I'm asking you to do the same thing. To make a sacrifice on behalf of someone else so they can know God. Whether you like them or not, whether they like you or not, that's walking with God. So, I want you to take out the bread, the little wafer on top. As they're eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Lord, we thank you that you allowed sinful man to bruise your body. And we take this acknowledging your sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Open up the cup carefully. He took the cup, gave it to him and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You could not have forgiveness unless there was blood shed. Jesus shed his blood, his sinless blood for our sin. That's love. Trust me, it was not pleasant. Lord, thank you that you shed your innocent blood for our sinful lives. And we take this acknowledging that in Jesus' name, Amen. Here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask all of you in all the campuses to bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. There are many of you who raised your hand. You asked Jesus to be your savior about five minutes ago. You prayed a prayer asking him to forgive you and pour his love into your heart. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We do this every week. I want to encourage you. If you are going to stand up, grab your family member's hand to come with you so you won't be alone. We want to acknowledge you and give you an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus. Your right brain may be telling you, "Ah, you don't need to do that. There's going to be people looking at you. You don't know them. And discouraging you from taking a step of faith today. Is it a little scary? Oh yeah. Are you with family? Oh yeah. Are we gonna celebrate you? Oh yeah. Do you have anything to be worried about? Nope. (laughs) So eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm gonna count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, your first step of faith as a new believer is to be to stand up here when I count to three. Again, if your family's with you, just say, "Hey, will you stand with me?" And they will. They better. (laughs) So on the count of three, wherever you are on all the campuses, if you prayed that prayer a few minutes ago and you said, yes, Lord, I want Jesus to forgive me of my sin, or you pray because you want to recommit your life to Jesus, that's fine as well. I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Amen. Keep standing all throughout the room. We see you. Amen. Keep standing. Great. great. Keep standing. We see you up there. Great. Keep encouraging them as they're standing all throughout the room. Hey, as you're standing up, we just encourage you to come forward. We're going to clap you forward and celebrate you. We want to say hello. So if you're standing, come forward so we can say hi. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay right here. God bless you. God bless you. God
1: bless you. Keep coming forward. Amen. Amen. You guys
0: can come. You guys can come right here. Amen. 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 Celebrate them all the way forward, guys. Amen. 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 God bless you. And come with your family for it. Hey, man, you guys can face forward here. You guys can turn around and face me here. God bless you. God bless you.